Welcome to Mad Tales, twisted tales of terror written, narrated, and produced by me, James Knoll. Hey, 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 welcome back to Mad Tales. I'm James Knoll, and it is January 23rd, 2022, as I record this from my little tiny studio in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So, here's what's been going on since I last posted an episode. The launch for Mungwort was fantastic. Since then, I've been hard at work producing the audiobook version and working on the main theme song for the novel, Cece's Theme. So hard, in fact, that I'm launching the audiobook in two weeks. That's right, Mungwort, the audiobook, will be available to download on February 8th, 2022. And as a special deal, I've also put together the Mungwort Total Bundle. This deal includes one digital version of Mungwort, the ebook, that is a digital download, one Mungwort audiobook version, also a digital download, one Mungwort hardcover, that is a hardback jacketed case laminate, black and white on ground wood paper, 280 pages, and finally, one theme song, that's CC song, that's going to also be a digital download. So normally this costs $49.99, but I'm offering a special launch price of $29.99 from now through February 8th. All you have to do is go to my store at silverhammer.studio forward slash store, or you can just go to the menu. It's right up there in the upper left-hand corner, and you can order it there. All transactions are secure, and I do have to say that if you order the total bundle right now, you'll definitely get the ebook, audiobook, and theme song on February 8th, but Ingram Spark, the company I use to print my hardcovers, has a three-week backlog right now, so it'll take a little bit longer to ship the hardcover, but you'll still get it. Not interested in all of that creamy mungwarty goodness? You can get the ebook version today for only 99 cents. This is a flash sale, so the price for the ebook will go up tomorrow, so order it before the deal goes away. You can also order the audiobook by itself when it's released too. I use Findaway Voices for my distribution, so it'll be available wherever you get your audiobooks, or you can skip the middleman and download it straight from me at silverhammer.studio. Still undecided? Well, here's another cool thing I've got going on. I'm going to release a chapter a week through the audiobook launch on February 8th, so that'll be chapters two through four, including Ben Doth Murder Sleep, What in the Happy Horse Shit Is This, and Sumac on Steroids, here on Mad Tales. If you're interested in checking out any of these deals, head over to the show notes for the links, or you can just go straight to the source, of course, at silverhammer.studio. Thanks again for tuning into Mad Tales. I so appreciate all of my listeners. You guys are awesome. And now... On with the next chapter of Mungwort. I think I disagree with that philosophy, my Ben doth murder sleep. Cece's dreams were vivid and vicious, populated by a series of torturous images. Rotten teeth biting into a heart-shaped apple. A bark-covered tumor pulsing on the trunk of a tree. A body swinging from a gleaming meat hook. She was in the diner again, her hand gripping her knife. Scarface leaned toward her, that creepy smile on his face. You remind me of my sister. His face glitched, cathode static. The scars disappeared, the creepy smile replaced with a genial gentleman's confidence. She likes coffee and her sugar, too. A vacuum ripped her out of the diner and into Karen's truck. She white-knuckled the panic grip as it careered around the dark back roads. Karen her eyes glittering behind the filter mask. I guess you're going to be an asshole about it. Her face glitched, cathode static. Karen's mask vanished, her gimlet eyes gone merry. 
You're a bona fide badass, Cece. Sonic distortion. Cece spun in a vortex. Stars flashed in strange patterns, whispers in an alien tongue. The static morphed into the calming rush of a midsummer breeze. Branches appeared overhead, blurry at first, then sharp, the leaves defined to the veins. Darkness to light, a sun-filled sky, puffy white clouds. She was walking behind her father, heading for his shed, his brown work boots, his warm work jeans. The knife on his belt was the same as hers, hand-carved antler handle, bone inlay of a blazing sun on the grip. The initials E.E. -E burned into the sheath. He turned, his laugh lines wrinkling. Come on now. Cece sat up with a gasp. She lay on her back on a lush green lawn, not a cloud in the sky. Birds chirped, cicadas swelled. The sweet smell of sassafras filled the air. She rubbed her eyes and her fingers came away covered in pollen. What the hell? She shook her head, showering the surrounding space with a yellow cloud. An image flashed into her head, Karen wearing a face mask. Double trouble, huh? It worked. Not quite the way she thought it would, but it worked. She took in her surroundings. To her left, a stately white farmhouse. To her right, a wide open field. In the distance, a chain-link fence cowering beneath a wall of trees. The top third seemed to buckle under an onslaught of vines and brush. She twisted around the other way, blinking. A half-circle of white tents stood around an open field like a village. Tibetan prayer flags decorated the entries, clothes dried on lines strung between each one, and a fire pit blackened the dirt in the middle. Sleep no more! Ben doth murder sleep! A young man in a floppy hat crested a knoll holding a plate of food in his hands. He was, if not portly, rotund, but his legs were strong and thick, and the muscles in his arms and chest filled out the loose tunic draped over his shoulders. He stopped in front of her and held out his arms as if he was standing in front of a grand audience. Innocent sleep! Sleep that soothes away all our worries! Cece shook her head. Not a fan of the bard, huh? The boy asked. Bard? Yeah, you know, Shakespeare. No, Cece said. He held out his hand. I'm Ben. Cece ignored it. She stood up and looked around again. Woods, fence, house, yurts. Ben dropped his hand and wiped it on his pant leg. Tough night? I don't know. I don't really know what happened. I was in a diner? Oh my God. Were you sleepwalking? I don't think so. I don't think I even slept. Well, that sucks. Harlow hates lazy workers. Suddenly she was back in Karen's car. Harlow sounds like a rich girl's name. Ben nodded at the circle of tents. Your yurt mate? And your supervisor? Kinda. She's pretty badass, though. Sometimes just an ass. I don't really... Sorry, Ben said. Sorry, sorry, I've had like six cups of coffee. Maybe, uh... He extended the plate. Break your fast, avoid the lash. Cece recoiled. What? Oh, it's harmless. It's just something we say here. I tried to change it to, don't be a fool, get you some fuel. He paused, shook his head. Didn't take. Cece took the plate, picked up a piece of sausage, and nibbled on the edge. Her eyes widened, and she shoved the rest of the link in her mouth, followed by a handful of strawberries, then a piece of toast. Ben watched her amused. Good, right? I'm Ben, by the way. You said that. Oh, right. And you're Sicily? Cece. Oh, like the song. Please don't. But it was too late. Ben had already started to sing. Cecilia, I'm down on my knees. I'm begging you please to come home. Cece, 
cheeks chipmunked with strawberries, stare back, her face flat and expressionless. Right, Ben said. Guess you've heard that before. It took very little time for Cece's body to respond to the Virginia summer sun. Her face flushed from the heat, her limbs felt heavy, and her shirt was soaked with sweat before they even walked 50 yards from where she'd woken up. She wolfed down the last sausage on the plate. Ben laughed. Man, you were really hungry, huh? He removed a bottle of water from the folds of his tunic and handed it to her. She unscrewed the top and upended it, guzzling half in a few gulps. Easy there, Ben said. We still have a full day in front of us. Full day of what? A curious smile formed on Ben's face. A full day of that? He pointed to a crowd of workers milling around a weed-choked fence in the distance. Two massive trees had fallen through, creating a 50-yard gap on either side. The top of one of them, the biggest, lay stripped of its limbs, the thick trunk ringed with stumps of branches. As Cece watched, a team of workers with chainsaws attacked it. This is the job, she said. She looked at Ben, waving at a cloud of gnats that seemed to form out of nowhere, a look of understanding dawning on her face. This is the job, right? Uh, yeah? What exactly is it? Clearing and cutting, mainly. The brush grows too close to the fence, so we gotta cut it all back. And the trees? Yeah, and the trees, too. No, I mean, do they all fall on the fence like that? As if to answer, the sound of cracking wood echoed in the morning, the reports firing like gunshots. Chainsaws cut, farmhands yelled and scattered, and out of the woods crashed an oak tree. It landed with a thud that shook the earth taking out another 50-foot portion of the fence. Yeah, Ben said. Yeah, I guess they do. Does that happen all the time? Nah, that's the first time I... That's the first time I, uh... Well, I mean, yeah, it does. An ATV tore over the hill in front of them, heading for the main house. The driver, a short girl wearing a cowboy hat, steered the vehicle like a pro, the muscles in her arms shaking as she sped over the turf. Her hair ran down her back in a long black braid. In the passenger seat sat her polar opposite, a tall boy with shoulder-length blonde hair flowing behind him like he was in a shampoo commercial. His shoulders were broad and thick, and his biceps bulged out of the sleeveless flannel he wore. He pointed at Ben and Cece, and the driver adjusted her path, aiming straight for the pair. She came to a skidding halt right in front of them and switched the engine off. "'Where the fuck have you been?' the boy demanded. "'Hey, Jake,' Ben said. "'Nice to, uh...' He turned to Cece. "'This is Cece.' Cece, this is Jake and Iko. Iko smiled. Hi, nice to meet you. Jake hawked a longer. He was so tall that his knees were jammed up against the dashboard. He looked like a nose guard trying to squeeze into a kindergartner's desk. Dude, Harlow's pissed. She told me to take care of the new girl. Bullshit, Iko said. You just didn't want to puke off the back of the truck again. I get carsick. In tandem, Jake and Iko said, We know. You know, Jake added, I might have something for that. No, man, I'm good. Jake was already rummaging around the pocket of his cargo shorts. No, seriously, here. He handed Ben a little brown vial. Take a little hit of that before you drive anywhere, and you'll be ship-shape. What is it? Ben asked, turning the vial over. It's ginger oil. For better health and wellness, Iko said. Ben put the vial in his pocket. Thanks, I guess. The Great Oak Field Kitchen had been aptly named. Sixty feet tall, with a trunk at least fifteen feet in circumference, the trees spread shady the field kitchen all day long, even at noon. Its vine-covered branches were so thick and strong that the workers often climbed up and sat on them, ten or twelve at a time, joking and eating during mealtimes. Cece sighed in relief when they reached the shade. She plucked at her shirt. I'm glad I went sleeveless. Yeah, about that, Ben said. 
you shouldn't have gone sleeveless. Jake went sleeveless. Ben held up his vial of ginger oil. Jake thinks ginger oil cures kinetosis. He scans CeCe's face for a second. Plus, it's going to be at least 100 today. 110 with the humidity. He shook his loose sleeves. Something like this will work. Keeps the cloth off your skin. Lets the sweat do its job. And you'll need a hat. He looked down at her feet. And you need to tuck your pants into your socks. Dude, I picked fruit in San Antonio. I know how to dress for this shit. All right, you get what you get. Let's load up on water before we go out. Hey everybody, it's James again. I'm just popping in here to remind you that Mungwort, the audiobook, will be available to download on February 8th, 2022. And as a special deal, I've also put together the Mungwort Total Bundle. This deal includes one digital version of Mungwort, the ebook, that is a digital download, one Mungwort audiobook version, also a digital download, one Mungwort hardcover, and finally, one theme song, that CC song, that's going to also be a digital download. So normally this costs $49.99, but I'm offering a special launch price of $29.99 from now through February 8th. All you have to do is go to my store at silverhammer.studio forward slash store, and you can order it there. All transactions are secure. Not interested in all of that creamy mungworty goodness? You can get the ebook version today for only 99 cents. This is a flash sale, so the price for the ebook will go up tomorrow. So order it before the deal goes away. If you're interested in checking out any of these deals, head over to the show notes for the links, or you can just go straight to the source, of course, at silverhammer.studio. And now, back to the story. Cece regretted her bravado the moment she stepped back into the sun. Had it gotten even hotter in the few moments they were in the shade? She bore the heat like a yolk, slumping her shoulders as if shrinking away from it would help. A bee zipped by her ear. The grass made the skin on her legs itch. The closer they got to the fence, the more she realized just how much work the job required. Vines and brush choked the links, washing over them in thick waves. Some sections buckled with the weight. Others collapsed completely. It looked like the forest was trying to consume it. Workers hacked and whacked at the overgrowth, toted it to huge piles, and covered it in clear plastic tarps. Others assaulted the trees in the woods, scaling the trunks on lines and grapples, cutting off branches with chainsaws. Still more attacked the new tree that had fallen through the fence. They hauled branches to wood chippers and log splitters. The air was alive with the cacophony of power tools. It was as clear and bright as any midsummer Virginia day, and if it wasn't for the heat and humidity, it could have been mistaken for pleasant. Cece thought that she'd be able to weather the weather. She'd grown up in Fredericksburg, spent over two-thirds of her life there. But as she marched through the fields, she wondered how much of her life she'd truly spent outside and how much of it she'd spent holed up in the basement enjoying the air conditioning, or swimming in the river, or ensconced in dark movie theaters gulping down ice-choked soft drinks. She unscrewed another bottle of water, took a few gulps, and poured some over her head. How do you guys work in this? You'll get used to it. She was feeling a little better by the time they reached the crew. Maybe it was the water, maybe it was the food, but a familiar strength had returned to her limbs. She spotted Jake working a massive chainsaw on one of the fallen branches. Sawdust coated his chest, arms, and legs, and a pile had gathered under him that almost reached his ankles. But he didn't look like he was making much progress. The girl working next to him, also covered in sawdust, stopped hauling a branch out of the way and swatted Jake on the leg. Jake cut the chainsaw at the same moment that Ben yelled, That's Harlow! Harlow looked up at the sound of her name, saw Ben, and stomped over. She snatched up a pair of machetes sticking out of the ground, handles up. 
Where the fuck have you been? You told me to go get the new girl. I told you to make sure she woke up on time, not take her on a date. Cece held out her hand as Harlow approached. I'm Cece. Harlow ignored her. Fuck's sake, Ben, she said. We got a massive invasion going on and you're playing grab ass? Give me a break. You skirt work again? I'm docking your pay. Harlow shoved the machetes at both of them. Clear the brush and vines over on the western section. Start at the first good post past the break and work your way in. Both Ben and Cece looked at the left of the breach. The closest clear post was at least a hundred yards away. Another tree had fallen through there, too, and workers were scrambling all around it, cutting off branches and clearing debris. Harlow turned her attention to Cece. Where's your hat? It's in my bag. No sleeves? Ben said, I told her, but if you're going to work out here, you need a hat, gloves, and sleeves. I know, Cece said. Your boots are fine, but you need to tuck your jeans into your socks. Harlow bent over and pulled Cece's cuffs up, revealing ankle socks. No shows? Jesus. Jake started the chainsaw up again. Jake, wait! She stomped away. Who's on the trunk at our section? Ben yelled after her. Rufus! Seriously, Harlow? Just make sure he doesn't hurt himself again. The operation at their portion of the fence didn't seem all that much different from anywhere else along the line. Workers hacked away at the vines and brush on either side, while a couple of boys with chainsaws mounted a fallen tree. The side of the trunk that faced up was bare, leaving huge stumps sticking out at all angles. The branches on the side that faced the ground were still intact, creating a kind of springboard between earth and tree. The tree was so big that it had torn up a swath of forest 50 feet in circumference when it fell. Roots dangled in the air like wooden tentacles, but where the tree met the ground, there were still great stalks the size of tank turrets anchoring the trunk to the earth. Cece thought that if she sat on the stump and started counting the rings, it might take her at least 10 minutes to finish. A gangly boy started jumping up and down on his end of the trunk, cackling as the tree bounced under him. He was so skinny that his body seemed to swim in his loose-fitting clothes. A rebel branch slashed at a young man trying to cut a branch off the side, and the young man cut his engine and ripped his safety goggles off his head. Cut the shit, asshole! Come and make me! You jump on that thing again, I'll shove this up your ass! Your mom said what? Rufus, I presume? Cece asked. Ben nodded, clearly pained. Yeah. The other chainsaw boys cut their engines, and they watched with cocked heads and slumped shoulders as Rufus leaped ever more hysterically on the trunk. Uh, I'll be right back, Ben said. He marched over toward the fallen tree, yelling, Hey, Rufus, come on, man! Cece turned toward the fence. Something in the brush caught her attention, and she knelt to inspect it. It was a bird. A dead bird. She tried to knock it out with the tip of her machete, but vines encased it like a mummy. She stabbed her blade into the ground with a grunt and pulled her knife out of the sheath on her belt. Leaning closer, she saw the vines had strangled the poor thing. One had cinched around its neck so tightly that the bird's head hung at a 90-degree angle from its body. Ants crawled over its feathers, in and out of its eye sockets, its open beak. Cece swiped at the vine, but only cut a sliver of the meat. She tried again. Nothing. She flipped the blade to the serrated side and sawed at it. The brush shook. The fence rattled but the vine refused to give. The sun must have dipped behind the cloud because she felt the heat lift off her back. The sounds of the chainsaws grew dim, the air around her close, and she focused on the job, determined not to let a stupid piece of vegetation win. A few more cuts and that should do it. One, two, three, four. Damn. Damn thing won't give. Cece, is that you? It was Ben, but his voice sounded far away. Cece stopped sawing, and that's when she realized Brush had covered her completely. 
The leaves and vines and little branches seemed to have swallowed her up. She must have crawled in without realizing it. Fuck me, she said. She hacked away at a knot of leaves to her left and, with a ripping and cracking noise, crawled out from underneath it all. The sun hit her full in the face, and she held her hand up to block it. You're a mess, Ben said. He grabbed her wrist and pulled her to her feet. What were you doing in there? Cece looked back at the mound of brush. There was a bird? A bird? A dead bird. I, I was trying to clear it before I started hacking away, and... You don't have to worry about dead birds, Ben said. He pulled her machete out of the ground and handed it to her. All you have to do is make sure you lean into it when you start. Irritated, Cece wound up, took an expert step forward, and brought the blade down hard and fast, hacking the mound away in a single whack. Ben pulled the corners of his mouth down. Okay, you got it. I'll just, uh, I'll just go over there. Cece got to work, hacking away at the brush that consumed the fence. The sun beat down on the exposed skin of her arms and neck, and the sweat flowed off her face and soaked her clothes. Soon the muscles in her arms and back were burning with the effort, and the grip had rubbed her palms raw. Within the hour, blisters had formed on the heels of both hands. She had just taken a break to wipe the sweat off her brow and get some water when someone started yelling over the buzzing saws. She looked over and saw Iko's four-wheeler parked by the tree trunk. Jake and Rufus were in each other's faces, jawing and pointing at the tree. Harlow and Iko were attaching a metal chain to the four-wheeler's hitch. Harlow looked up and saw Cece, said something to Iko, who nodded, and stomped over toward the fence. Fuck me, Cece muttered. Shaking her head, she sent a half-hearted blow at the next patch of brush. The blade got wedged in a thick knot, and no matter how hard she yanked and pulled, it wouldn't come loose. She reached into the thicket, thinking she might be able to snap some of the vines loose with her fingers, and pulled her hand out with a hiss. Fuck! She snapped. A thorn had cut a valley through the back of her hand and lodged into the meat between her thumb and forefinger. She plucked it free, and blood welled up and poured out. She stuck her hand in her mouth and sucked. I thought I told you to get some gloves. Harlow. Cece spat blood and wiped her hand off on her jeans. It's fine. I'm fine. You don't look fine. I've had worse. It's just a thorn. You need to be more careful, Harlow said. You end up in the infirmary? I'm down a worker. They're just weeds. Just weeds? Harlow stepped past her and pulled a thatch off the ground. This is poison oak. She grabbed another thatch. This is poison ivy. She grabbed a third. This is poison sumac. She jabbed a finger at the woods. There are wood nettles, leadwort, and hogweed all out there. You want your hands to swell up like basketballs? Okay, well, they're not in the fence, are they? Harlow snorted and waved at the ocean of green that had taken over the metal links. What do you think? Shit. Shit is right. Iko's got some rubbing alcohol in the bag of her four-wheeler. She pulled off her gloves and slapped them on Cece's chest. Those don't come off until the day is done. Not even to eat? Harlow gave her a withering glare and brushed by, heading back to the trunk. Cece swore that if they had been in middle school, she would have rammed her shoulder. Thanks for the gloves, Cece called after. They're coming out of your paycheck, Harlow returned. Cece rolled her eyes. And cuff your fucking pants, Harlow added. Eight hours. Eight hours of hacking and pulling, cutting and stacking. By the end of the day, they had cleared the fence, but the tree looked almost the same as it had that morning. Harlow had them spray a mixture of bleach and vinegar on the brush and cover it up with an enormous tarp. By the time they made it back to camp, the sun was low on the horizon. Other crews were straggling in from the fields, too. Playful shouts and laughter filled the air. The cooks were setting up the field kitchen under the big oak. But even though Cece's stomach grumbled, she aimed for her yurt instead. Hey, aren't you going to dinner? Ben called after her. 
I'm exhausted, man, Cece said. Just need some rack time. Here, wait. Ben ran over to a table and grabbed a bunch of fruit and a loaf of bread. He was grinning as he ran back to her. Ben, you didn't have to do that, Cece said. I know. He unloaded his cash into her arms. Food is fuel. You'll thank me tomorrow. They both turned and headed off. Ben back to the old oak, Cece back to her yurt. She stopped almost as soon as she started. Hey, Ben! Ben stopped and turned, shading his eyes with his hand. Sorry, but which one's mine? The yurt was spare and clean, three cots on a packed dirt floor, and an open space with a table and chairs. String lights hanging from the roof glowed low and warm, and an exhaust fan twirled at the apex, filling the space with cool, if not cold, air. Cece's backpack leaned against a cot to the right. She dumped the food next to it, unbuckled her belt, and put her knife on the ground under her cot. Her cell phone was sitting on top of everything in her bag. A notification advertising Regenerum by Single Corp popped up, and she swiped it away. She checked the battery. 95%. Awesome. She checked the reception. Two bars? One bar. No bars. Awesome. With a sigh and a groan, she stashed it back in her backpack and lay down. Her breathing steadied and deepened in less than a minute. Seasons. Thanks again for tuning in this week, guys. If you are at all interested in picking up any of the Mungwort deals, including the 99 cent ebook download or the Mungwort total bundle or all that stuff, whatever you're interested in picking up, head on over to silverhammer.studio and I'll see you next week. <laughs>